This podcast is called The Real Story About Chronic Pelvic Pain Syndromes. The following talk is about the Wise Anderson Protocol with your host, Dr. David Wise, co-author of A Headache in the Pelvis. Dr. Wise developed the Wise Anderson Protocol with Stanford urologist, Dr. Rodney Anderson. He has been treating pelvic pain in a specialized group for over 20 years. In this talk... I want to discuss why profound relaxation is a vital ingredient in healing pelvic floor pain. The concept of an intense relaxation practice as a necessary therapy for the resolution of what is diagnosed as prostatitis, chronic pelvic pain syndrome, pelvic floor dysfunction, levator ani syndrome, coccygodynia, and other names given to pelvic floor pain may well produce a head-scratch to the casual observer. What does relaxation have to do with pelvic pain? In this essay, I want to discuss why the practice of profound relaxation, in my view and experience, is essential to the healing of pelvic floor pain. There are some people whose pelvic pain gets better spontaneously without doing anything. And then there are those who plug away at many many different treatments, but their pelvic pain remains. In general, however, someone whose pelvic pain has become chronic and is not able to calm down in deep relaxation regularly, I think the likelihood of really recovering from pelvic floor muscle-related pain is small. I realize this is a strong statement. I say it because of how I see pelvic pain from the inside after my own experience of having it for a long time, as well as my experience in treating several thousand patients with the team over the last 25 years. Why is regular quieting of the body necessary for the healing of pelvic floor pain and dysfunction? After all, people without pelvic pain don't need to do any relaxation in order to remain pain-free. But people without pelvic pain also don't have sore pelvic floor tissue that needs to heal. When you have sore, tightened pelvic muscles that are continually re-irritated by the normal functions of life, including urination, defecation, sexual activity, daily stresses, and sitting down, irritated pelvic tissue is unlikely to heal without the ongoing environment provided by the regular practice of relaxation. As I've discussed in other podcasts and as we discuss in our book, A Headache in the Pelvis, sore pelvic tissue needs a regular experience of loosening and then a sanctuary, a healing chamber free from the activities and stresses of life that keep it from healing. In our protocol, for most of our patients, regular relaxation done for two to four hours each day in an environment that gives the natural mechanisms of the body a chance to let the sore pelvic tissue heal is necessary to allow the possibility of any real healing to occur. So how do you put the sore pelvis into a healing chamber? How do you put up a sign that says to the brain and the world, do not disturb when you are suffering from prostatitis, chronic pelvic pain syndrome, pelvic floor dysfunction, and related conditions? Being able to become deeply quiet and serene in the midst of a crazy world and a demanding life isn't simple, but it is doable to the person who says, however high I have to jump, 
I will jump. There are several steps in learning how to profoundly relax. The first is understanding that relaxation is a skill which takes ongoing practice. Like learning to play the violin or learning to fly an airplane or any skill of value, you have to put the time in. There are relaxation apps and relaxation lessons to buy, but I don't personally think much of them. In my experience, quick fixes simply involving breathing or other kinds of gimmicks usually wind up on the shelf. My wife is a wonderful violinist, and I see her daily practice in remaining at the top of her game. We all know that there's no quick way to become skilled at playing the violin. In exactly the same way, there is no quick method to being able to quiet down the body and mind especially when someone is anxious and experiencing chronic pelvic pain. It took me a long time to learn. I was a student of Edmund Jacobson, the father of relaxation therapy in the United States. He developed a method called progressive relaxation and began practicing it in the early 20th century, writing a book in 1929 and then later editing it in 1939. The book was called Progressive Relaxation. I once calculated that Jacobson, who regularly practiced his own method, had done tens of thousands of hours of relaxation before I met him. Professionally, he was one of the first physicians to treat what we would call stress-related disorders like headache, idiopathic dyspepsia, stomach and digestive problems, esophageal spasm, IBS, hypertension, back pain, and constipation. It took me many years both at the feet of the master and then on my own after his passing to really get what relaxation is and what is necessary to regularly enter its state. We all can recall feeling relaxed. When we talk about being relaxed, in a way even the word trivializes the experience. In my view, being relaxed is a holy profound state. It is a state in which life has meaning, and we enjoy things, and we have the experience of just being, being able to delight in the present, in the things that have meaning to us, in our love for others, in the food we eat, in the things that bring us joy. In the state of real relaxation, the sense of separation between people and the world tends to dissolve. Relaxation isn't about breathing exercises. It's not about visualizing a sun-drenched desert island or some ideal home. Relaxation is about the experience of effortlessness. The idea that breathing exercises are a method of relaxation, in my view, is a misunderstanding by many people who don't know how to relax themselves. When you've been relaxed, I doubt you ever got there through breathing exercises. The sleeping child who is deeply relaxed didn't need to do anything. Rather, relaxation is the voluntary shifting of the nervous system from what can be called sympathetic dominance to parasympathetic dominance. And what does that mean exactly? Physiologically, relaxation is a state in which one of the parts of the autonomic nervous system called the parasympathetic division, is dominant, as opposed to the dominance of the sympathetic division 
of the autonomic nervous system. The parasympathetic division can be called the rest, digest, recuperate aspect of the nervous system, while the sympathetic division is involved in activity, nervousness, focus, and anxiety, and is often called the fight-flight part of the nervous system. I'm going to do my best to explain how I understand the divisions of the autonomic nervous system work and relate it to the condition that is typically diagnosed as pelvic floor pain, prostatitis, CPPS, levator ani syndrome, chronic proctalgia. In men, it is sometimes given the name prostatitis. You can think of the human body as a computer that comes hardwired from the factory with two automatic computer programs that are generally not under the owner's control. These programs refer to the activity of either the sympathetic and parasympathetic divisions of the nervous system. Neither is under much conscious control unless you make an effort to learn to control them which is what we do in the relaxation protocol we use called extended paradoxical relaxation. That is a central part of our program. Generally, these two aspects of the autonomic nervous system work automatically and reciprocally. That means when one is on, the other is off. The activation of the sympathetic system can be thought of as what happens to a car when you press on the gas pedal and the activation of the parasympathetic system is what happens when you take your foot off of the gas. When one system is operating, the other, for all intents and purposes, isn't. The balanced system is meant to preserve survival. It allows us to respond to danger, to flee, to fight or freeze or rest, digest and rejuvenate when danger has passed. As a survival mechanism, the body postpones recuperative tasks when there is an emergency. The parasympathetic system has to wait until it feels safe from danger before it can fully activate. This is important. We often are unaware of the autonomic nervous system because it functions involuntarily and automatically. For instance, we generally don't notice changes in the size of our blood vessels or the rate our heart is beating because those are automatically regulated by the nervous system. The parasympathetic division of the nervous system is the part that allows recuperation, but it has to be patient. It waits for the right time to do its work. If there is an emergency, the parasympathetic system waits to rest, digest, or recuperate for its immune function to fight off infection or to do the other tasks it performs. However, you can't postpone parasympathetic functions indefinitely. You can only ignore your body for so long without paying a price. Now let me return back to the metaphor of cars. You can run your car at 100 miles an hour all day, but if you keep doing it, you'll be in for a trip to the mechanic. Arousal of the sympathetic nervous system postpones parasympathetic response, and you can't postpone it forever without something breaking down. In my view, chronic pelvic pain is one consequence of ongoing parasympathetic postponement, where the normal relaxation required to heal, recuperate, 
sore, irritated pelvic floor muscles does not occur. The pelvic pain cycle is a sequence of tension, anxiety, sore pelvic floor tissue leading to protective guarding that causes more tension, anxiety, and pain. This cycle is basically what happens when the sympathetic nervous system goes into overdrive and doesn't get a chance to turn off. When a person is healthy, these two systems are reciprocal, shifting back and forth depending on the body's activity at the time. We can tell which system is dominant through certain physiological signs. For instance, sympathetic dominance in its extreme involves sweaty palms, muscle tension, dry mouth, increased blood pressure and heart rate, increased pumping of adrenaline. The parasympathetic response is very different. In his book, The Relaxation Response, Herbert Benson discusses the relaxation response, which is essentially the state of parasympathetic dominance. This is the state in which we sigh deeply and say, ah, oh, I feel so good. Nobody feels relaxed and not good. The experience of parasympathetic dominance is relaxation and pleasure. Sympathetic arousal is certainly not always a negative thing. Sympathetic dominance occurs in states of alertness, activity, focus, and getting things done. When someone is on the case about something, being attentive and productive, the parasympathetic nervous system tends to be dormant and the sympathetic nervous system is on. Conversely, the parasympathetic nervous system supports rest, rejuvenation, and rehabilitation. It's the state of ease and unguardedness, of being unconcerned about survival, of not being vigilant, but instead feeling safe and open. We know that we're in a parasympathetic mode before going to sleep when we feel tired and are just looking forward to nodding off. When people can't drift off and instead just lie awake, it's because their sympathetic nervous system is still activated and they are not able to shift into the parasympathetic mode to relax and go to sleep. Now, what does any of this have to do with pelvic pain? As we discuss in A Headache in the Pelvis and in previous podcasts and articles, pelvic pain results from sore pelvic tissue put in an inhospitable environment of contraction and anxiety when sympathetic dominance of the nervous system doesn't support healing of this tissue for the soreness to go away. An unfortunate dilemma with pelvic pain is that the pain makes you anxious and anxiety puts you in a heightened survival mode where sympathetic dominance is the rule. This creates an environment unsupportive of healing. Sympathetic dominance tells the body to put aside the functions not immediately related to activity and survival. When your house is on fire, you don't start doing the laundry or washing the dishes. In the extreme, the maintenance functions that keep things happy and nice in your house are put aside as you run for your life. The same thing happens in the body when the sympathetic nervous system is perpetually activated. 
the body never gets the opportunity to do the maintenance functions necessary for the pelvic floor tissue to rest and heal. And that is why relaxation is so important for healing pelvic pain. The issue in learning to relax deeply and regularly when you have pelvic pain is how to move past the experience of the obstacles to relaxation, of pain and anxiety. Most of our patients come to see us with no idea of how to do relaxation when they are in pain and anxious. Extended paradoxical relaxation is focused specifically on dealing with these major obstacles. Relaxation, when done skillfully, provides the environment the sore pelvic tissue needs for extended periods of time to heal up. No drug or procedure or surgery provides anything of value to support this healing. The healing of the sore, painful, irritated pelvis requires loosening and then long periods of inner quiet in which the body does what it does with all sore tissue to heal it. For more information, go to our website, www.pelvicpainhelp.com. Thank you.